0: Hello and welcome to the Pointless Frivolity Podcast. I'm your host, Aviva Manon, and we're here to talk about pop culture, reality TV, and everything we used to call a guilty pleasure, and now we just call a pleasure. If you're listening and you like the podcast, leave a review. If you don't like the podcast, leave me alone. We have so much to talk about today, and we're going to go in a few different directions, but of course, We're going to talk about Roni. We're going to talk about Salt Lake. We're going to talk about some things that are peripheral to the Bravo sphere. And we're going to talk about some things that I'm seeing and that I'm excited about and I can't wait to watch. So I don't know what's on your FYP, but there's a few things that I'm dying to talk about. And I don't know anybody else who's seeing the same stuff, but okay, here we go couple things are happening on my FYP. First, me as a baby is back on my FYP. If you don't know what that is, it's this little puppet who's in a uh, white gown with a very pointy green hat that's kind of like a David the Gnome style hat, and it's dancing around. And when it first came on everyone's FYP, like maybe a year ago, everyone was saying, I'm going to tell people this was me as a baby. So me as a baby became this meme. And I got to be honest with you, I hate it. I think that little guy is sinister. I don't trust him. I don't think that's me as a baby. I think that's someone trying to steal a baby's soul. I, I just don't like him. He's a little creep i also see a lot of line dancing but i'm not talking about like the boot scoot boogie that you learned in fourth grade gym class actually i'm not sure i can say that you didn't learn that i'm not sure you learned any line dancing at all that may have been a quirk of the elementary school i went to and miss pola's gym curriculum for her fourth graders but yeah in fourth grade We did country line dancing in gym, and we learned the boot scoot boogie. And I want to say the watermelon crawl, but that feels like a fever dream. I'm not sure if I made that up. I don't think I did. I think that was weird. That was real. And it occurs to me also that that may not be normal, like especially for an elementary school in New England to do a country line dancing Curriculum. We also had a tradition where I grew up that we would learn ballroom dancing at, in sixth grade. This was not part of school. This was something that all of our parents signed us up for, I assume paid good money for. So we would go to the Scout House in town. Again, is that a thing that other people have? And we would sit around a big open, like auditorium on these chairs on the peripheral. And generally, the boys would come up to the girls and ask us to dance, and we learned a box step. I genuinely think we spent six weeks for an hour a, a week learning how to do a box step with a partner. There was a specific way the boys had to ask, May I think, may I have this dance? And the girls always had to say yes. We could not say no. That there's a lot to unpack there. There is a lot to unpack with that experience. Um, but uh, yeah, did anybody else do ballroom dancing lessons as a twelve-year-old? We had to dress up every week. What a what a what a time to be alive. Anyway, so I'm seeing a lot of country line dancing, and they are all wearing very cute outfits, tiny little shorts, big t-shirts or sometimes tiny little shirts and jeans. And the men are right there as well. Um, And the dances are very complicated looking. They're jumping around. And they're not just dancing to country songs. They're also dancing to like hip hop, er like everything. And I really enjoy watching it. And it it makes me uh, both delighted and nervous. I feel like I could either have the best time of my life there or be hate-crimed. I don't know. Am I making too many assumptions about these people? Maybe. It looks really fun is all I'm saying. And I don't think that a bar like that would fly here in in New England again. But I don't know. I learned how to do a box step. I would I would take it on. I would bring everybody. I would make everybody go. I really, really enjoy watching it. It tickles all the parts of my brain that I want to be tickled when I'm on social media. And I'm just happy to know that there are people all over this country all dancing together, facing the same direction. Musically, there's also something very exciting going on. When you look at sort of the construction of a joke or the construction of a spoof, there are two parallel tracks happening that I... I'm loving and really shows the various ways that you can achieve virality and success doing musical comedy. So, one is Kyle Gordon. Kyle Gordon's a comedian. I came to him through this character of the kid that has no fun. And he does a lot of other characters as well. And he released what I believe is his first music video about a month ago for a Euro pop song called Planet of the Bass. And it's perfect. The video is perfect. If you haven't seen it, but you were around in the 90s and the early 2000s, everything is perfect from his extremely baggy pants to the way that he opens his arms when he's dancing and the swim goggles that he's wearing as sunglasses. It's just perfection. And then the the video itself is very highly produced and, uh, you know, professionally, quote unquote, shot. But it's really been put out in its final form. And then the joke iterates because he adds additional women, like he swaps out the woman's part which was also a hallmark of 90s euro pop bands, right? Just like booting members out, bringing new ones in and, and never saying a word. And it went super viral. The original version has 10.6 million views on TikTok and there's been a bunch of spin-offs and it's it's really took hold at, and it was the moment. Now, let's contrast this to what's been happening on the Brian Jordan Alvarez side of TikTok. Brian Jordan Alvarez is an actor and a comedian, and he does something really interesting. Um, He creates characters using filters that distort the look of his face. One of my favorites is this um, very sincere Spanish grad student who attends university and he does classes and he learns the science and the mathematics and he does the calculations and the research and there's something so authentic about this guy. I have met him. I think we went on a few dates. They were very boring because as nice and as smart as this boy is, he is not funny. Anyway, this is not a real person. This is a character that he does. I just sometimes get confused. He has this character called TJ Mack and it's a visual medium. I will post a picture on my Instagram where it distorts his face so that his mouth is huge and his eyes are huge and his head is weirdly pointy. And TJ Mack got his name, I think, because one of his first videos was about buying underwear at TJ Mack. God, explaining jokes, right? Gotta love it. But anyway, TJ Mack has has had quite a journey and has become quite a successful Broadway performer where he writes his own songs. And one of his most recent bops is called Sitting. And here's just a little sample. <laughs> Sidini Dioposito running around and sit in is a wonderful thing to do because you sit in Sidini Dioposito standing on your head. Sidini Dioposito hangy from me parbo Sidin is a wonderful thing to do. I got one thing to say. It is truly the late stage capitalism anthem we all need. And I'm more of a take to my bed and lie down girl, but I do appreciate the message that we should all be sitting. So now let's listen to some of the ways that this song has grown into itself. Sitting, sitting, is the opposite of standing Sitting is the opposite of running around Sitting is a wonderful thing to do Because you're sitting, sitting is the opposite of standing on your head Sitting is the opposite of hanging from above home. I got one thing to say, I think that sitting is something that people say it is bad, but you know that city is actually good. Now I'm not saying that Brian Jordan Alvarez just literally made this song up as he was singing it, but I'm almost positive that's what happened. And the result was so sincere and it was so um beloved that all of these creators did their own versions, uh remixed it, uh it got played on the radio in Australia. And it's a really sharp contrast to Kyle Gordon's approach, which is releasing something that's highly polished and the audience appreciates it for what it is versus creating something that then the audience um, builds on and uh, expounds on themselves. Um, I love both of these creators and I just um, okay, so if you were a creative kid or if you were a creative adult, it it I don't know if you have the same appreciation that I do, but seeing people go through the creative process and create art or create comedy in real time is one of my favorite things about TikTok. And so, like, yes, social media has so many downsides, and it is, you know, not always the healthiest or the best for us. But I really appreciate having access to people's creativity, how they're using their time, how they're using their energy and resources, um, and how they're using really weird filters. Speaking of being creative, another side of TikTok that I'm on is cooking an entire meal in my dorm bed. Now, like I said, I am a take to my bed girly. I like to be lying down. I like to have a warm blanket and an ice pack and a snack. That is my Form. But cooking in my bed, even, you know, eating a meal in bed is actually a little bit beyond my comfort zone. So I respect how deeply committed these creators are to cooking an entire meal. Now, you may be saying, Aviva, what kind of meal are they making in their bed? Are they making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Hey, That's a fair guess, but no, that's not what they're making. The last one I saw was for a beef wellington. Yes, it was for a beef wellington. They made the um, the whole mushroom situation. They had a hot plate where they seared the tenderloin on all sides. And then I said, aha, but they cannot cook something in the oven in their bed. I know that for a fact. And I know because I have eaten a beef wellington before, I know that it needs to be cooked in the oven. Well, my friends, they just use a convection oven in their bed. And um, I am impressed and upset about those things. In terms of actually just very high quality content that has been helpful for me, there's a creator named Shelly, who has twin toddlers. And she does a lot of what she feeds her kids in a day and as someone who royally fucked up feeding toddlers or at least one toddler uh, I appreciate how she approaches it and so if you are a parent or you know a parent and you're thinking about how you feed your kids I think she's just such a great example of wanting to feed her kids healthy food a variety of foods but not being obsessive Uh, I really I really like her content and the way that she talks about those issues and apparently men think about the Roman Empire every day, and so we're all sharing our Roman Empire. My Roman Empire is the Alyssa Edwards and Tatiana lip sync to Shut Up and Drive by Rihanna on RuPaul's Drag Race. I do think about it every day. Now, Speaking of drag queens, should we talk about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? They are still in Palm Springs. They are staying at the Trixie Motel and oh boy this this is one of those episodes this week that it is going to be ranked among Teresa Judice flipping over a table Aviva Drescher putting her leg on the table um he will never satisfy you dinner party from hell this was a episode that will live in the ranks of Real Housewives episodes for years to come, and I and I believe that. And that is due to one, Meredith Marks, being an absolute crazy person. I mean, truly. I respect it, but it is from the beginning of the episode to the end. It is just... The worst. She just makes the worst choices. She thinks that it's a good idea for one of their activities to be pairing up And going shopping with your partner and picking out the outfit that your partner will wear. So she and Lisa will go and pick outfits for each other. Heather and Whitney will go and pick outfits for each other. Mary and Monica will go and pick outfits for each other just because, I mean, I think they didn't have anyone who was natural to pair them with. And then Angie's there. Angie's there because Angie wasn't actually invited. And they go into a store that is, I cannot quite get a read on the kind of store this is. They have just about everything. Maybe it's a thrift store. Maybe it's more of a costume shop because there are no normal clothes. Um, I, I can't quite describe what Whitney comes out wearing, but she's, she's wearing a, a black underlayer. And then over it is this like gauzy, white, sheer, lab coat and she's wearing a white fluffy fascinator sure and Heather is wearing like a 90s hip-hop style oversized leather jacket you know with all of the all of the different colors and patches it's actually really suits her she she looks relatively normal compared to everybody else now Lisa ends up in a sheer bodysuit and then one of those belly dancing belts that Meredith tries to convince her is a skirt. And at first she's game about it. And then she's not anymore. And who can blame her? Oh my God, that outfit is unhinged. But then she, she Lisa ends up putting Meredith in just like a yellow dress. And it's normal. It, look, this was a bad idea. It was a bad idea for an activity. And I'm just going to say, if Meredith Marks was a camp counselor or she was your cruise director, just say no. Say no, no. This is a bad idea. And then we get into Whitney having terrible ideas because she thinks that at dinner that they should all look around and tell everybody what their um, warm and fuzzy is about everything else, about each other. Like what is the thing that they like about each other? And then what is their I think, cold and prickly. What is it, the thing that they don't like about each other? And this is a few cocktails in, and it does not go well, of course. And the tension is really rising between Meredith and Angie, and then we get... We get the most quotable moment of the night where Meredith drops into an English accent. She's like, you may leave. She she gets all uh, uh, the dowager countess on everyone. And she says, you may leave. I'm getting security. Security. I am the host of this event. Get her out of here. But I'm so sorry. That is not security. That is a sweet little waiter who would be happy to refill your water glass. He, if you need another bread basket, please ask this man. But that is... That is not security. He is wearing all black, yes. And that is something that a lot of security people wear. But he's a waiter and he's not he's not security, so um I'm so sorry about that. She says, if she wants to talk about the rumors and the nastiness She's really displaced story for the weird the weird accent. Speaking of Miss Meredith Marks, um, I'm so sorry to tell you there has not been a new episode of Hanging by a Thread with Seth and Meredith and I gotta say friends this concerns me maybe it'll be every other week maybe it will be but you know we saw them filming this last winter And we just got the one episode that they were filming when they were filming Real Housewives or they were recording it when they were filming Real Housewives and and they didn't have anything in the can, nothing to share with us. So I will keep you posted. Don't you worry. Um, But as of today, Friday, September 22nd, there are no more episodes of Hanging by a Thread with Seth and Meredith Marks. So if you do need relationship advice, just send me your questions, and I will tell you what I think Meredith would say. Heather, at the end of the episode, is just so obliterated. She gets so sick. I feel for her girl, that is a tough situation to be in. Um you know, I, but they I didn't need to show it all. I just I think that honestly they they may have gone a little too far. But this episode was truly a work of art. I believe that Real Housewives is an extension of drag, and so it feels incredibly appropriate that actual drag was part of this season, and um, I love it. I love to see these worlds come together, and if you have not watched Salt Lake City yet, you certainly can start with this season, but you should give yourself the opportunity of starting with season one, watching season one all the way through. Watching season two all the way through. You can skip last season. You don't have to watch it. And then coming into this season. Uh, season one is so good. And then, of course, season two has some of the most, um, the, some well, probably one of the most remarkable episodes of reality TV ever. Uh, and you really need to get rooted in the Mary Cosby of it all. Now, she said on this episode that she used to have an African gray parrot and that the bird was weird. I'm like, girl, all of that tracks. You having a weird African gray parrot seems like the most appropriate thing in the world, and I don't think she tells us what happened to that bird, but those birds live to be like 100 years old, so I hope it's doing well. I hope it is happy. I also thought it was funny because Christina Ricci's character in Yellow Jackets has an African gray parrot, and it's just a funny parallel because I think that Misty and Mary Cosby certainly have some overlaps, is all I'm going to say. I think that they are both, they're very strange. I went on a bit of a Mary Cosby deep dive this week and I learned so much. Now, for the uninitiated, for those who have not enjoyed Salt Lake, let me give you a little bit of a primer on Mary Cosby. She is a, mm, what is she, like a Pentecostal preacher and minister. She has a large church, and she's the leader of it. Now, she runs this church and some of the affiliated businesses with her husband, Robert Sr., and together they have a son, Robert Jr. And you may say to me, sounds normal, sounds lovely. Now, it's not. Robert Sr. is her step-grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. He was married to Mary's grandmother before she died. He was 22 years younger than her, and this was her second husband, so they're not biologically related, but... Basically, Mary's grandmother Rosemary was the um, uh, the founder of this church and all of these kind of peripheral businesses are related to it. There was a mortgage company, there was a daycare, there was like some media involvement. So this was a this is a, an empire, really. It's not just the church. This is a massive, massive empire. And Rosemary left her, I think she left her first husband. And this may be apocryphal, but she and her four children apparently walked from where they lived in Indiana to Utah to settle there. Again, sounds a bit made up, but it's a good story. So Rosemary grew this business and she married Robert Senior, who was really just Robert at the time. And um, he got involved with the church and the businesses as well. But Rosemary ended up passing away quite young, in her, I think, late 60s. She was very healthy and she did not have a will. So Robert s- stepped in and said, well, I'm going to take over kind of as the trustee of everything. I'm going to decide where everything needs to go. But Rosemary's daughter, Rosalyn, I believe her name is, so this is Mary's mother, said, kept filing suits to, to, to say this is not the appropriate way to distribute these assets. And there were, there were lots and lots of assets, lots of real estate, lots of property, lots of money. So on the show what they say is or what Mary says is I took over the church and I married Robert Sr. because that's what my grandmother wanted but apparently there was no will there was no record of this woman wanting anything and there was no indication that this woman was expected to die so young. So not only is there a record of mishandling the estate on the part of Robert Sr., there is suspicion that perhaps Roseberry didn't totally die of natural causes. There's a fantastic episode of the Bravo docket that they just re-released, and I really recommend listening to it for the whole story. It was more salacious and more wild than I could ever have believed. And I gotta say, like, when you look at the kinds of crimes that take place in relation to real housewives. It does tell a story about the kinds of people who are attracted to this opportunity. Now, I also uh, caught up on the Shannon Bedore situation. So I think last week I was talking about the Bravo Docket's deep dive into her and David's relationship and Leslie and David Bedore's relationship. But of course, uh, Shannon Bedore was driving under the influence of alcohol. It allegedly, I guess, in Newport Beach and allegedly ran into someone's house and uh, sounds like everybody's okay, which is great. And she's going to treatment. Um, but this is probably a long time coming and I'm glad that she is getting getting some help. I think that a sobriety journey on a show like this sometimes can feel like you're taking the mm, excitement out a little bit, but I have to say with Lala on Vanderpump Rules, she's a much better character now that she's sober. She's much easier to watch. She's much easier to be around. And the the components of her personality that made her great reality TV are 100% still there. So before we start talking about Roni, I want to talk about a show that I am excited to watch that is premiering on September 28th, and that is The Golden Bachelor. I have never really watched The Bachelor. I've tried to get into it a couple times, but it makes me feel secondhand embarrassment, and I just couldn't. Now, uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Maintenance Phase, did a whole episode on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and I that said to myself, Aviva, this is time to be brave. You can be brave, and you can dive in. You can watch The Bachelor. However, there's so much other content that that the the motivation never struck me to to, to settle down. Where do you begin? Where do you start? You know, do you start at the beginning? There have been about 87,000 seasons of it. So it just hasn't been my priority until now. And I am very interested in watching The Golden Bachelor, which is a season where The Bachelor and all of the contestants are in their 60s. There may even be some older. I don't know. The reason I'm so excited about this is actually because when I was watching Too Hot to Handle uh, a few months ago, now Too Hot to Handle is a reality show on Netflix where the contestants are basically just like very attractive and the whole point of it is that they are not supposed to hook up or have sex or touch each other and it takes place on this beautiful island and a beautiful villa and while we were watching it I said you know what would be really funny is if instead of having all of these hot young people they brought in old people and they called it it's so hot I can't handle it and the whole point of it is they all have to touch each other and they all have to get busy and I thought that was funny and I wanted to see that happen and you know what here we are we're seeing some elders we are seeing some later in life folks with all of the wisdom that that entails and i am so excited to look at how that impacts the drama of the show now i'm familiar with the gate with the game of the bachelor i'm although i am not familiar with the players so that's going to be something that i'm going to be looking out for and i can't wait to watch and to talk about it all right and we are still in Anguilla in Roni. And this week's episode, it didn't it didn't do much for me. This felt a little bit like a filler episode. We're maybe on vacation a bit too long. Although I have to say, they did seem like they were just having overall a good time. The thing that annoyed me about this episode is the whole Uba and Aaron drama was so dumb and so fake and so not worth spending literally any time on. So what happened was Uba threw Aaron in the pool. Fine, who cares? And then I think Sai as a I don't know, revenge maybe threw Uba in the pool. Okay, who cares? I mean, Erin kind of is like, oh, I had all these siblings, and we were always playing pranks on each other, and I'm going to get her back, and it's going to be so good. Okay, sure. Okay, fine. Erin, you are a lot of things, but like a good creative prankster does not feel like you're going to be one of those. So they go out for dinner, and uh, Uba leaves her phone in the car, and Erin goes back out to the car and gets it and, like, hangs on to it. And that's the prank. She hangs on to Uba's phone and then Uba's like, oh, where's my phone? And Sai is like, well, Erin has it. She took it from the car. And that is not a prank and that's not interesting or funny. And also, Uba is freaking out, but like only freaking out, I think, because Erin had it, but not because she didn't have her phone or she couldn't find it. Like she found it very quickly after she realized she didn't have it. And, like, this was dumb. And also, Erin's response to the whole thing was dumb because she could have just said, oh, hey, I thought it was going to be funny and I'm sorry. Obviously, this is Real Housewives, so that's not going to happen. But given the scale of this issue, that is exactly what should have happened so we could have all, like, moved on with our lives. Instead, she says, you know, Uba took a chance by throwing me in the pool, which is fine, because I'm chill. And like Erin, you are a lot of things, but chill is, again, not one of them. You're not funny, and you're not chill, and that's okay. We love you for who you are. We think you are perfect for who you are. But you're not the funny one, okay? Okay? Looking forward to being back in New York City. I think we're done with this vacation. I think we spent too much time with just these core ladies. They're great, but I think they need a bit more to make this series watchable. That's about all I have to say about Roni this week. Uh, I'm, You know, let's, let's go back to New York. Let's go back to the city. Uh, let's go back to serving your guests no snacks. You know what I mean? Like, they're all too well-fed here, I think. Now, I have discovered a new, I don't know if obsession is the right word, but uh, a new music that I am really enjoying. It's, um, okay, so my musical philosophy for the workday for background music is to have something pretty intense on, especially if I'm doing focused work, something that's high energy, something that's going to pump me up. But I was listening to the podcast Endless Thread, and they were talking about lo-fi girl and lo-fi girl is a YouTube channel that plays Hip-hop lo-fi music and lo-fi music is sort of it's it's sort of elevator music for Gen Z maybe and you can really have it on all day and the the there's a live stream 24-7 of an animated girl sitting at her desk very cozy. She's got a cat with her. She's she's studying and they just they just stream this music that apparently it kind of keeps your brain quiet but activated. And so I've just been putting it on my second monitor as I'm working and I find that it makes my energy a lot more sustainable during the day rather than have it come in, you know, fits and and bursts. I'm I'm really, really enjoying it. It's been a fantastic addition to to my day. I've been reading the book, All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. It's very good. It's very heavy. I'm not sure if I'm in the space to be embedded in something that's quite so dark and heavy, but it is quite quite good kind of like a gritty noir detective story but it takes place in the south and it's a former FBI agent who is the sheriff of a small town and um, he is black and you know is investigating some racially motivated violence and you know you've got to be in the right place to digest something like that but it is it is excellent for anyone looking for something to read in terms of what my eyes are enjoying looking at right now there was a new release of jewelry from Scaparelli that is so exciting. There is one piece in particular. It's a necklace of um, oyster shells that is. It's gold brass, right? I don't. None of it. This is you know fine metals and um, gems, but it's hammered golden brass with rhinestones that creates this incredible effect um, so organic looking it's stunning and then there's this eye necklace um, the one of the things that Daniel Rosenberry the creative director of scaparelli does is creates these very realistic components uh, to his pieces so if you remember the like the lion and the Jaguar heads from the dresses last year I think this uses that same realism effect within the jewelry within the eye so I will post some pictures of that on Instagram as well and it's just going to be a mishmash this week we've got Brian Jordan Alvarez's weird filter faces and we've got some Scaparelli fine art pieces you know we contain multitudes I hope you have a fantastic week Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the feedback. If you like the podcast, please give it a five-star review. And I can't wait to be back next week to talk about all things pop culture, all things reality TV, because we don't believe in guilty pleasure. We just believe in pleasure. Follow me on Instagram at Pointless frivolity and on TikTok at not that Aviva. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon.